Welcome to the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. If you find money to be the number one, two, or even third largest source of stress in your relationship, then you're in the right place. Going beyond how to budget, invest, and do your taxes, we're going to explore financial intimacy. Discover how to talk with your partner about your shared financial life. Let's take the awkward and painful out of money conversations. Join me and hit follow to listen to weekly inspiring, healing, and motivating interviews with financial therapists, couples therapists, and financial planners, and so many more. Let's go on the journey of financial intimacy together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Love and Money podcast. Today is my distinct honor to welcome Gail Coleman to the show. Now, Gail is an author, a financial planner, and a true thought leader. She has been working with people and money in some shape or form for many decades now. And in talking with her just before the show started, realizing, wow, she like knows so many of the other thought leaders. She's so integral into developing this somatic finance, but also this idea that we have a personal relationship with money. And so it's such an honor to have her here. I've been reading her book, The Body of Money, uh, over the last two or three months, and it is opened me up in so many different ways I don't even fully have words to. So I'm beyond excited to have her here. I'm going to stop talking. Gail, welcome to the show. Oh, hey, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm just as thrilled as you are, truly. Yeah, when you said other thought leaders in our conversation earlier, I might notice my heart's a little warm and tingling because I've had such a good fortune of a journey with some of the beautiful minds. And I feel like all of our personal and financial and professional experiences do become woven into who we are as human beings and how we serve our clients. So yeah, I just, I wanted to say that it was, it's, that was actually quite touching. I'm thrilled to be here. That's great. And I appreciate it. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm so excited about is on my own personal journey with money and really not just my relationship with money, but my relationship with myself, right? Is and these things kind of go back and forth is my own mental health, my own relationship health journey intersect with my relationship with money and my relationship with money intersects back with my mental health and relationship health. And it's kind of a spaghetti bowl for me, kind of, to be honest. But in that part of what I'm discovering is this whole field of somatics and that word even, can you describe what does that word mean by definition somatic? Well, I don't know the exact definition that I, but it's really is of the body. So uh, somatic comes from the word soma, which means body. And in my study of somatic, it's one of our lines of development from integral theory. So there are many multiple lines of development. You've probably heard of Howard Gardner's work and emotional intelligence and multiple intelligences. And so In the training that I've had in integral theory, the somatic line is one line of development along with the cognitive line, interpersonal line, emotional line, spiritual line, and moral line. So it really is a developmental journey to be aware of what is happening inside this beautiful vessel of ours. And I talk about wealth from a whole body experience which means that we're not separating ourselves from our head. We're including our body. And so much of our culture is disembodied, not just around money, but around everything. 
So the journey is, I like to say, not necessarily to wake up, but we're waking down, waking down into our beautiful body. What? Oh my, like, oh, you have five hours for this interview, right, Gail? I'd love to be with you for five hours. <laughs> well, we may have to come back and visit because I already see there's so many thread lines here that I want to pick up on. But listeners, as you're hearing this, there's, I hope that you're enjoying it already because I know I am, but it's, I'm flooded in my head. So let me, maybe I should come back into my body here. Yeah. Let's feel your feet on the ground and your bottom on the chair. And this is kind of something that happens to us humans when we get excited, right? We can kind of lose train of thought. We can like, I just know now I'm excited. Shoot. Now I can't remember all the things that I want to say, but embodiment is coming down into your body from your head. What does that mean? Because I think, for people, I'm thinking about myself and people that are kind of newer to this idea. What does that mean to get out of our head and into our bodies? That's beautiful. I mean, because what's funny about trying to understand it is because it's a concept. Embodiment is a concept. It's like, <laughs> so it's in our head. <laughs> right. So that's the irony. Right, right. And so in the book, yeah. the stages of learning, uh-huh. remember hearing, reviewing, understanding, practice and body. So the first three stages to understanding are all cognitive. Okay, right. There's very little somatic intelligence going on. It's only through practice, bringing in our attention and awareness to what's actually happening in our body as we practice that we can become embodied. So what's interesting is like we can I I use riding a bike. Well, you can read about how to ride a bike. You can look at pictures, but you can't ride a bike. It's not embodied at all because you haven't actually directly held onto a bike or pedaled a bike or practiced with a bike. So it's embodiment is just actually how are we fully engaged in life with our whole body? So does that, so when we think about like money is experiential, right? And like, we're riding a metaphorical money bike, if you will. Or like some of us are even afraid to get afraid to get on the money bike because we've read books or seen pictures about money bike crashes. Or maybe we wrecked on our toddler money bike and now we're afraid to go to the big 10 speed. I don't know. I'm playing with this metaphor in my head because I love bicycling so darn much. But to feel safe on the bike takes actually a lot of different pieces. But it can't just come from reading books about riding a bike safely. You have to get on and ride a bike and do it safely. So how does that translate to people's experience with money? Well, I know when when you're talking, I notice that I want to say, well, and chances are your parents have been on a bike and maybe it didn't turn out so good. Oh, yeah. Or other people have been on bikes and they've crashed. Or you might have already been on a bike and crashed and you're afraid to go back on. Yeah. So with with the money bike. And so it takes understanding what is the purpose of this money bike? Like, what does this money bike mean to me? Mm-hmm. Why is this important? So we, we, we really kind of step back and get a bigger perspective of why this really matters to us. And when we know why it matters to us, then we can begin to navigate how to get on the bike, make some choices about how we want to work with the bike. But when we eventually get on the bike, we are aware of what's happening in our body and we are 
using our body intelligence to support pedaling, steering, balancing. It's our head is not driving the bike. This is wild. I think you've done it. You've hit on something really interesting. So good job. Because I'm sitting there, where am I going to go with this? But it's really working, right? Yeah. Because when you're on a bike, you have the knowledge of what the bike is, why it's important, where you're going cognitively, but you're trusting your body to also be a part of that journey so that the intelligence and the, the innate intelligence, that your instinct is going to help you react if, if danger comes or if you get scared, you're going to put the brakes on and your body is the one speaking to you before your brain. Right. Well, and I think that the thing that as we're talking about and using the bike as a metaphor is the thing that's similar about a bike and money is they're not, oh, what's the word Dan Siegel uses? Don't worry about his word. Ed, come back to your words. Natural, like we don't have to learn how to breathe. We just breathe, right? But there are many things that we have to learn how to do in life. And like bicycling and money are both choices. You have to choose. Everyone knows about a bicycle and everyone knows about money, but how often you ride it, how you ride it, what type of bike you ride, what type of money you air quote ride. You know, I was kind of like almost had this funny image in my head of like pedaling my net worth statement down the road. As if like, that's my, my money. I don't know. Maybe it's not perfect, Interesting. but it doesn't, you know, as, as my family's wealth is growing and changing this, the sense of what it feels like to ride our money bike almost feels a little cumbersome and awkward. Like it, and so like, that's part of my own journey is trying to learn how to get comfortable with this increasing family wealth that we've been intentional about trying to build for our own financial security. And yet it feels like an awkward bike to me a lot of the time. Like and cognitively, I know like I should be okay. I should be grateful. Like this is good. But and at body level, it's like uh, just like I like this bike. It's cool and shiny, but like I don't know. I feel like it doesn't fit me yet. That's a sweet opening. And so some of our clues of oh, we've got maybe some limiting beliefs in there, just to play with on the or should like I should be comfortable here. I should whatever. So. Whenever I hear should or that's an opening to go like, hmm, hmm with me. So when we (laughs) hum, (laughs) that is actually a calms our brain and we're able to really be curious. So, hmm, I wonder what's that, what's about that should be able to be comfortable when I'm, hmm. And with that, you can even feel that into your body. And we don't have to need to go through this, but that's, I want to invite you to play with that. Because one of the things I wanted to say was you were bringing in your spouse and your family. And the first thing is we're first comfortable on our own money bike. And then when you started to bring in your, your family, I started like, I was going big and you're like, okay, it's getting clunky. And it's like, oh, wow. Well, you're bringing two bikes together, or maybe you have a bike and a sidecar on it. And so you're bringing in new bodies. So naturally it's going to be maybe out of sync. So there wants to be alignment. You want to entrain with each other so that your entrainment where you can align your hearts and your energies and nervous system so that when you get on the bike, there's that sense of 
one, you all know where you're going. And then when you begin to move, the money flows exactly how you want it to flow because it's it's tied to what matters most to you. That why are we on this bike? Wow, this I mean this is that helpful. Oh man, it, this is the mother of extended metaphors. I am loving it. So in therapy world, we get trained <laughs> in this whole like idea of extended metaphors and it helps, I think, move past our logical brain and more into that that right symbolic rep, visual side of our, our brain. And so as I was listening to you talk, Gail, part of what I was thinking about is my mind was trying to play with like, yeah, it's like I'm on my bike, my wife's on her bike. And I was starting to imagine literally us on one of our family bike rides and like how much it takes for us to coordinate the timing and the pacing and who's leading and who's falling behind. And we you know, got three kids, so we're at different stages of development and writing ability, and we're trying to coordinate yeah. all of us. And that's really the truth of our financial life, too, is we have different financial abilities and different bike sizes and different developmental needs. And and so it's like, it's one thing to just be proficient riding on our own bike, but then to coordinate that. And this is, you know, like my brain brought up this other image of the Tour de France, which I love. But you think about those guys, mm-hmm. and they... You think how close they are riding side by side and front and back. And it terrifies me, but they've trained themselves to be in sync and they know what to expect. Practiced. They have very practiced practiced. to embodiment to embodiment. This was what we were talking about. This is what embodiment is to be able to be in the practice of money, talking about it, working with it. And to be attuned to what's going on inside our skin. And so as we are talking together, just notice for mm. yourself what's happening in your belly, what's happening in your heart. And it's it's not about figuring anything out. It's just being very curious, like, is it warm? Is it swirly? Is it? Mm. And we get to enjoy our body all the time, not just when we're eating or making love or riding a bike, but all the time. Because our body is constantly giving us beautiful wisdom and information that can support us in our very enriched life. Wow. Well, you didn't know that you're going to show up as a money coach to Ed today, I guess. But here you are. You're coaching me. You're helping me. I love this. Thank you for for this conversation and experience together. you know, the words that you're just saying about enjoying our bodies all the time, just like is honestly trying to bust through, I can like this deep cinder block wall in my brain about like the body is there. It's matter of fact, it's not really that enjoyable. It's actually kind of sometimes a little disgusting. And that, that's my own stuff. That's my own junk. Right. But I think right. getting to internalize and embody the embodied, I don't know, I'm all over the place. Embodiment. Here. Right. Yeah. Is like, but really being able to at all these different levels believe my body is good, it's valuable, it's worthy of enjoying all the time, not just while I'm eating or in sensuality or pleasure or riding a bike, but it's while I'm here having a wonderful conversation with you, while I'm reading a book with my child. Like I have tingles going on in my body because I'm I'm just happy. I feel joy bubbles all over. That's one of my signals. I mean, when you ask someone, are you happy? Or how do you know? Joy isn't out there. Joy's right here. Mm. Say that again, Gal. I love that. Joy isn't outside. Joy is right here in our body. 
And we each have our own unique way of sensing what our emotions feel like. So Mm. this is where I go. I don't want to, I hope this isn't sideways, but the three essential nutrients we need as human beings, you know, are safety, connection, and dignity. Mm -hmm. And so safety is, and they all are related to money, but safety, we look to money to help us feel okay, to help us feel safe. Right. But our bank account and anything external to us is never going to help us feel safe. So what we want to do is begin to cultivate a somatic sense of sufficiency. That's why I love the word sufficiency because it's it's used in different ways. But when I feel okay, when I feel an embodied sense of sufficiency, I have a quality in my body that allows me to feel grounded and then open to connection and then open and elongate my spine and my sense of self-worth and self-value. So as you've been on this journey with yourself, mm-hmm. I think you talked about it maybe before we hit record, but is being able to kind of do your own work. You can only take people as far as you've gone yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a well-known phrase in the broader helping community. And to me, it's very self-evident. You've been do- walking the talk and learning to walk the talk for a very long time. And so I'm grateful for that. That sense of safety, but you said the three essential needs are safety, connection, and dignity. And mm-hmm. we can turn to money to try to fulfill those needs. And we do. And we do. And my position, at least at this point, is that's not all bad, but it's, I know that I've hit hit the limit of, wow, we're making this money now. Wow, our net worth is this. And I don't still feel fully safe. I know from a financial planning standpoint, I am safe. Like knowledge, but like, this embodied sense of, I still don't feel safe. I still don't feel as connected as I'd like to. And I still don't feel like I have the dignity that I want. Yeah. So let's play with safety. Let's play with safety in the form. They go together, obviously, but it's probably easier just to to take each one. So I like to use the word sufficiency because when I am more than enough, if I try on more than enough in my body, it consumes energy. It's like, I, there's like, well, I've got to do things with it. I, it's not a, it doesn't resonate somatically. Or if I have a scarcity mentality, not enough, then I'm also using energy of like, my belly feels queasy. I'm not enough. So when we're really getting to an embodied sense of safety, it's really about, am I okay? Am I going to be okay? Right. And the way we know if we're okay is, only right here in our body. So we become attuned and we practice where are the places of sufficiency. So we practice with our breath, we can practice with eating, and we can practice, there are three practices in the practice guidebooks. One is a breath practice, one's an eating practice, and one is a bathing shower practice. And when we breathe, we take in a sufficient amount of oxygen based upon what our body's actually doing. And I'm, so I want to exclude people with breathing, asthma, or any kind of condition, but just you breathe a normal amount of in and out, and that's sufficient. If you breathe too much, if you're, you hyperventilate, if you don't breathe enough, you lose (laughs) oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you're riding a bike, your breath attunes to changes to a sufficient amount of breath, oxygen, 
for that activity because that's what your body can do. So what we want to become familiar with is like, I'm okay. And how we do that is let's do a mini practice, tiny practice, just be here, maybe lower your gaze and put your hands on your belly and allow your belly to ground you. Feel your feet on the floor and your weight, just really dropping down and dropping your shoulders. And in this moment, giving your attention to your belly, just notice I'm okay. I am okay in this moment. I'm okay in this next moment. And I'm still okay. I'm okay right here. And with practice, we string together all of these okay moments to where we can build our sufficiency muscle and feel our safety, our, our right to be here, our, our presence. I am okay. Not because of what's in my bank account, not because I have a home. Not because I have this title or this education, right? Those are... Exactly. Those are external things that we achieve that are not bad. You said that earlier, like these things aren't bad. They're just partial. They're not the essence of who we are and what really supports us in our our true self and supports us in embodying our life. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Love and Money podcast. I'm honored that you spend time with me listening to these incredible interviews. I love working with individuals and couples around their financial life, integrating mental health and relational well-being. I'd love to personally invite you into my financial planning practice where I do therapy-informed financial planning, bringing together mental health, relationship health, and financial well-being. If you're thinking that's the type of help you'd like, please see the show notes below to schedule your free 30-minute discovery call. And I'll look forward to seeing you and hearing more about your unique story and how I can best support you. Now, back to the show. As you were walking me through that mini practice and stump, hands on stomach and hearing your voice and my eyes closed, it was very hard for me to feel that in my stomach. And I know, I know this about like, I'm on this journey of trying to get there and figure it out. And one of the, the lenses that I look through is around attachment theory and attachment styles and looking at the, the early caregiving experiences of children and parents. And, and I think about you know, from that world in the language they talk about is building mental representations of, of caregivers that are there for you and leave you with a felt sense of being safe, yeah, being nurtured. And there's, there's many things that my mother and father did wonderful for us as children, but there are a few areas that were harder for them. And I think that mm-hmm. this is not their own fault. This is, I mean, but it was just an apt, there was an absence in the way that I needed that attunement for safety. Yes. Yeah. And that mirroring and that hearing, you're okay now. You're safe now, right? Like, and those are things, those simple words said kindly, lovingly, softly are such a huge gift. So that's, that was just kind of like, felt like it was a little morsel that I was absorbing in. And I, I know that there's a lot of people that are listening that depending on where they're on the journey, like, wow, Ed's really gone wonky or man, he really missed something. I don't, the, the self-monitoring part of myself is now worried about what other people are thinking. I am so appreciating your transparency and vulnerability. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you, my friend. I it's there's a place of reparenting, reloving or yeah, ourselves. Cuz all of us have parents who did the best they could. Sometimes the best isn't good enough, but that's 
we're but safety can run in all ways, shapes, or form. And uh, and so just continuing to ground and feel our belly, and it's like I'm here, I'm okay. It just in this moment, it doesn't have to be every moment that you can see to the future. Just right now, this is the only moment we can inhabit. Truly, you know, Eckhart Tolle says, you know, be. When, or I'm getting my people mixed up. Ram Das, be here now. But so it's yeah, Thich Nhat Han. This is it. He's our brilliant brains and minds complicate things. So what we're really doing is simplifying, coming back to our body that's going to have uninhibited intelligence and information for us. Because when we're scared, when you're scared, do you know where in your body you feel it? I mean, it's there's a kind of a whole body collapsing. Like a, the shoulders okay. slump, the chest yeah. hollows, the stomach feels heavy typically. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's something that I've been increasingly aware of. And as I, I play with and experiment with my own embodied practices, I, you said something about a shower practice. And I, I've missed that in the book, in the workbook, but I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Because one of the things that I've been playing with and is when I have waves of anxiety arise for me. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to think myself out of it, which has been something I've tried to do, or is just ask my body, what is it that you need? And I've been very surprised that it's, you need to be in the shower, on the floor, in a fetal position. That's what you need. I love that. I'm so excited. Yeah. And Uh, do you then honor what your body tells you? I do. I'm confessing it here on the Healthy Love and Money podcast. I do. I just, and it's, it's magical and i understand some degree of the physiological of it and just laying on my it's on for me on my right side in that kind of fetal position something stills inside of me yeah you're a rock star i mean my this is really important this is i have chills this is beautiful when you ask your body and your body responds and then you follow your body's lead and honor what your body says to you, that's building a trust and a relationship. And one that is, I believe, is vital to not deny what is coming through your body. So much of us are can be numb from the neck down. Rightly so. Negative things can happen to us in our body. So naturally, we survive by cutting off those experiences. Oh, the sensations in our body are just so overwhelming and intense. And if we don't know what to do with them, right, it's better to kind of numb or dissociate from them than to feel through them. Exactly. And what we want to do is create the space that allows for that sensation to have its experience. And when we do that, something happens. The sensation has its experience and it's felt and healed and released. What we typically do is contract on that experience because it was too painful. And that unfelt, that sensation is a knot in our body, waiting sometimes decades to be felt. So the more we get into our body and and feel and experience, allow our emotions to be honored as our human experience, Emotions are not bad, but many of us grew up in homes that said, 
this one is allowed. These two are not. And uh-huh. so, and I grew up in a home that was like, you're allowed to be happy. You have no reason to be sad. And I sure as hell am not going to tolerate your anger. So there you have it. It's very hard. So we all have, I, I'm just saying all, we're all, we all have this stuff. So it's like, I love Gabor Mate's book, The Myth of Norm- Normal, because- Oh, I haven't read his, that's his newest one, right? That's his newest, it, and I have it listening to it. But he, we're all having the same experience in our own unique body. And that's for me, and when you talk about a journey, it is the human journey, the spiritual journey, the money journey, the whatever journey you want to call it is all about inhabiting this beautiful human vessel because this is the only place we're going to be able to experience our human life is in our body. Well, it's, I don't know the words, it's our one true home, right? It's like our home, like- Love that, love. It's our, in a very physical, practical sense, like I cannot live in Gail's body. I cannot live in my wife's body. I cannot live, you know, in anybody else's body, but my own. And no one knows what Ed's body and the experience of Ed except you. That's what's precious. And that's the exactly what I'm hoping readers of, of The Body of Money can begin to feel that kind of um, power, that, that empowerment of their own agency, their own innate intelligence, that no one can tell them how they're feeling or what's going on inside of them because their truth is within them. and we. We want to honor that. So what's such an important conversation? Because I, I think from our own place of wholeness, that's when we're going to be able to meet other people's wholeness. And that's how we're going to collectively be able to create a better world. And it does begin by inhabiting, as you said, our home. This is, and it's temporary. Our body will be a corpse. We're here for a nanosecond, right? In the grand scheme of existence we're here for a nanosecond absolutely and so and it's this what i love about your work and your book is it's this movement between kind of philosophical look at the world into the kind of the science of what happens in the body to thinking about the different technical aspects of your financial life and so i would be remiss to not talk to you about how being at home in our own bodies impacts the way people show up in the conventional parts of financial planning so when we think about our spending and saving and budgeting, when we think about looking at our our net worth and our retirement accounts, when we think about insurance, when we think about taxes, when we think about estate planning, those are all the biggies that us financial planners are kind of tasked with helping people walk through and making sure they're set up and coordinated. So how do we bring this conversation through that kind of more fundamental practice? Through that lens. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm going to have a couple little preambles. One is typically money it generates a lot of fear. So most of our clients, it doesn't matter how much money they have, how little, whatever, they're scared. They're coming in with a, I'll say, I like to say the undercurrent is fear. Mm-hmm. And fear is in our body. It's a tense, constricted kind of feeling. And when we are tense, we don't have access to our full capacity, our full mental capacity, our full intelligence. We also don't necessarily make the best decisions because we're making a decision out of fear versus what is it I really want? What's what matters most to me? So 
what's important and I'm I'm is financial planning is the practical aspect of it. But we can't do practical financial planning until we have found out, until we've had those deeper and I say interior conversations that that help our clients discover or recognize what matters most to them. And so that becomes the central touchstone to how all decisions are made. So it's it's not a financial decision because it's the best financial outcome. It's a decision because this is what matters most to you. So there's that. That happens. And so when you come into meetings and we we've already grounded in what truly matters most to you and we lay out your current financial picture with financial statements and then we begin to plot through what is it what are the goals you have and we begin to make decisions we are beginning from a place of groundedness and and, and from a from a what do we do standpoint is like we make sure that we personally are grounded and open ourselves that we have done our own practices so that we are showing up without fear or preconceived ideas about what's going to happen right? <laughs> right so so our clients are sitting in front of someone who is not constricted themselves because that what happens is fear fear meets fear only generates more fear oh, right. and i i would be willing to bet that most transactions in however many pass it were just these oh, fear fear decisions so i always am going to say if if you are a financial professional your first job is your your own your body is your own tool and your own practice. You never say, well, I need to get my client to do this. No, that's wrong. <laughs> Already the wrong energy. Oh, and I trust me, I, in that state of mind, more often than I care to admit to, and I try to remind myself to come back into what you're talking about, but like, I go there. Like, I'm, I got to save this person. I got to know what's best for them. I got to, you know, it's like that, my brain can get there pretty easy. So just that coming grounded. Well, and I love that because you know what? We're coming from, if you're familiar with Cartman's triangle or the oh, drama yeah. triangle, oh, yeah. that's the hero. Oh, yeah. So we are caregivers. We are heroes. Most financial planners are heroes. And one of our, our clients come in as, if it's a couple, one's usually the, the villain, one's usually the victim. And then they change roles. But we get to sit there like these great heroes. Look at, I'm saving your day. So... Oh. The most generous thing we can do is to ground ourselves and then open our heart. Simply just be with these precious human beings sitting in front of you, trusting that whatever arises in that meeting is going to be of service to them. And what's coming to mind is one of my favorite quotes from Katie Hendricks is, attention is the currency of relationship. So our attention is sufficient. It is our most precious gift we can give to our clients is unconditional attention. And when we do that, it changes the space. It calms our clients. The fear that our clients have when they come in the door dissipates. So there's that. And we can invite clients, do you want it to a, a tiny practice? Would you like to, let's arrive. I noticed that you had a Harry, drive to, to get here. Let's just take a moment to sit and breathe. Three mm. breaths. And just that changes 
the internal state of us and them. So there's a, it's kind of a connecting practice. That's a tiny practice. And that's what I'm talking about. You could even say, if if, here's something, if you have a, a client who's seems to be really heady and up here and anxious, you can get yourself more grounded and feeling rooted down. Imagine tree limbs and, and roots going down into the earth and and just get more centered so that your presence can even calm a situation where someone is talking a lot or slowing down even, slowing down the conversation. These are ways of connecting in and they're not weird. I could go really weird. I'm not going really weird on you. <laughs> You're um, saving the super, <laughs> the super woo-woo for like uh, the second or third interview, maybe. Exactly. When when we put, you know, our wild hats on and, and sing Kumbaya. No, I'm kidding. Well, you know, I mean, I think like I appreciate that awareness, right, is depending on where people are at in their own journey of exploring what it means to be human, certain things do feel really weird or far from far-fetched. I mean, there's many things that I talk about today that four or five years ago, I would have completely dismissed. And 10 or 12 years ago, I couldn't even imagine that they existed. So it's not that they weren't being talked about. It's just, I wasn't there psychologically. I wasn't open to hearing those things. And I think that that's part of the impetus behind this podcast is making it a safe place for people to explore concepts and ideas, for them to try them on safely without in their car, walking the dog, whatever it is, and seeing what fits, what makes sense. As I believe we're all meaning-making creatures. We're all trying to make sense out of what is it that we're doing here? What is it that I should be doing with myself? What should I be doing with my partner in light of this? What should I be doing with money? It's experimenting. That's it. I just want to piggyback on what you're saying. It's like, this isn't about doing something to get it right or prove something. Or This is experimenting. So yeah, it is friendly. It is, it's living a childlike wonder. That's what we're up to. And who doesn't want to live in a friendly childlike space that is full of goodness? Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that's, that's so powerful. And I think that's part of the reclaiming process when we come back to money is we, we get into this, it's a super serious, it's an adult responsible, we've got to lock down and hunker down, put on our serious hats and look at this net worth statement and look at our estate plan and make sure we read this. And it's like, even as I'm going in that role, I feel the embodied, I feel the shrinking down and the smallness of it all. Totally. And look at you. Yeah. Right. Like you can see my physical posture. Like I'm I'm hiding behind my mic. Contracted. Contracted. And that's exactly it. Right. Versus like, okay, I'm going to push my body back out and open and say, Gail, I'm here to talk with you about my net worth today. Yeah. And I'm curious about how it impacts my estate plan with my wife and I. Yeah. Do you notice the difference? Just r- that little thing, that little yeah. shift in your body posture. Yeah. I will sometimes say to clients, let's shift shift your posture and answer again. Dip, shift. Yeah. That is like, yeah. Move your shoulders around a little bit. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll just breathe and do something and they on a we mirror people sometimes right, so they right. will breathe and move. But yeah, I love what you just you shifted your posture. Your whole face began to soften and smile. Right. This is one of the things that I've become so attuned to as a therapist and what I watch happen with my clients is oftentimes their faces are in, in grave distress when I first meet them. And it stays that way oftentimes over 
the initial period of working together is we're building a rapport and relationship. And um, because I don't want to ever discount or minimize where they're at, but what it's amazing by two, three, four months, you start to capture their smile more often. You see their face. And it's because they're re-engaging in relationship with themselves, with their intimate partner, if their intimate partner is there and opening as well. They're experiencing someone that's there with them. And so that attunement is just so important and being aware of your body is a huge part of that, right? And that's what that awareness, like the very conscious awareness of like, as I was role-playing, but I was in this miserly tight, scrunched down, I was like, oh, this does. And so that's even maybe another practice. People can just be curious about what does it feel like in my body? What body shape have I taken on as I'm talking about this? Yeah, totally. You could do that with your client sitting in front of you go, let's just play something. Are you willing to just experiment? It's just say, okay, tight yourself in a ball and get tight, really, really tight. Okay, now make a financial decision right now, right now. <laughs> and they're going to go, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't make a decision. You know? And then it's like, okay, shake that off, breathe, and then yeah. feel grounded, open your heart, elongate your spine. Now float this wonder question of like, hmm, I wonder what I'd like to leave to my family as my legacy. It's just spacious. And then opens up all possibilities. Oh, yeah, we really could take this four or five hours quite easily. I'm seeing that now. (laughs) It's so rewarding to have this conversation. But as we think about wrapping up at least our time together today, What's something that you'd like to leave folks with? And also, how can people connect with you and the work that you're doing? Well, you can, what do I answer first? Whatever you like. You can connect with me on my website, somaticfinance.com. And there's lots of resources and you can sign up for my, my blog, which is really fun. I won't inundate you with lots of stuff. And that's probably the best place. And I connect with me on Instagram. I have a LinkedIn link tree, whatever. And there's lots of, lots of goodies for you. And so that's how you can reach me. What I'd love to leave your listeners with is just, you've got everything you need inside of you that is required to live a fulfilling, beautiful life. And I know Ed knows that too. I think that's important. And So it's not a matter of adding anything or working on anything. It's a matter of feeling and seeing and letting go and letting your your true self, your true nature to be revealed. And and our body is our ally in that journey and that process. Mm. Once you start, there's no stopping. It just, it's that good. It's that rewarding. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your time and generosity of spirit and and the journey that you've lived and this place of deep wisdom and authenticity that you're able to offer the world. It's it's truly a gift. And I look forward to to more conversations. Thank you, Ed. Yeah. Yeah. This has been great. Well, I'm happy to come back. You start playing with something and you want to explore a little bit deeper. Well, let's do it. And I hope to see you some conference somewhere. That would be fun too, in person or wherever. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. My pleasure. I invite you now to stop for five or 10 minutes and reflect on what you just heard. Maybe even journal about it. 
Give yourself the time to consider what you just heard and what it means to you. By giving yourself the time to reflect and integrate what you just heard, it will help you along your journey of learning, healing, and growing towards financial intimacy in your life. Please like and follow this podcast and share with someone that would benefit from being on the journey of financial intimacy. Wishing you healthy love and money, Ed. Ed.